In order to make America great and glorious again, I am tonight announcing my candidacy for President of the United States. Welcome to Move Left Idiots, a socialist talk podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Montarulo, joined here by my co-host, Comrade Dracula. Comrade, what's going on? Uh, I'm back in Chi-Town, back in Chicago, uh, after spending uh, what felt like an eternity back in the motherland of Michigan, um, waiting on my mother. She had a foot surgery, elective foot surgery, so like literally I had to do everything for her, <laughs> short right. of you know the things you do in the bathroom. Um you know, just oh hey, hand me that thing. Oh, go go get me another glass of this. Oh hey, you know I don't I don't want you to to make the potatoes like that. Do it like this. You know, like just like uh But that's what you do for family. You know, when they're yeah. when you when you know you fucking took care of me for ever, and now you know. So I, yeah, I did a lot of a lot of yard work, a lot of a lot of um, arts and crafts. She's she's been uh, elected the president of her city's garden club now and i loved it she she like had to do this big presentation with like a like pressed flowers and like pressed flowers and a thing and then you can like frame them or like put them in a little fucking card or like whatever the fuck whatever the fuck you do with pressed flowers right right um and she was supposed to she like bought this uh like professional flower press thing and it didn't show up so she's like hey son of mine i need you to make one <laughs> actually i need you to make two <laughs> i'm like uh okay all right so you know uh three trips to lowe's later that i i made these things for her and they're great and wonderful and she presented the, the whole presentation to her garden club today and everyone was amazed and impressed and uh did a great job but i mean the, like woodworking you do woodworking so you know how this shit works right yeah um there's a lot of things yeah, that you, take you don't the thing and then you take the sharp thing and you run it across the fucking right. splintery well, thing and then you get a thing. But, but there's a lot of things you don't know to think of until you fuck it up first. And then oh, you're sure, like, sure. Yeah. Why didn't I think of that? Right. So basically just flower presses, two pieces of wood uh, and you got to, you know, drill holes through it so you can have a screw goes through and you have a little little wing nut. You tighten it down. Right. And you got washers. on. It's like, it, a vi- so it's like a improvised vice, basically. Essentially, yeah, right. But it's like, well, what what if I drill all the holes and then I try to line it all up and it doesn't fucking line up? You know, oh, even no, if you yeah, measure it perfectly, rookie so, mistake. You got to drill them d- together. You got to exactly, put it on the edge of a table, exactly. drill through. So right. So I have a, I have like a, um, I had like a crank vice, right? But it wasn't bolted anything. So I right. basically like lined them up, um, stuck them in the vice so they wouldn't fucking move drill you know the the I mean, of course i measured in you know far enough from the edge of right. the of the so it wouldn't you know break as i'm drilling through it um but also then it's like okay well what if i have like the board gets flipped over and then it doesn't fit either <laughs> so i'm like <laughs> so i had two different sets of them too so i was like i just you know make just take a uh, you know felt pen a fucking black magic marker fucking felt pen fault <laughs> fiction uh and just like on one of them i had one line on a corner 
And the other one had put two lines. So that way, like, no matter what you did, you know, right. got them mixed up. They could only match up in, you know, by mark- making those two, uh, those two points together. And just little things like that, I just thought of on my own. And I'm like, I'm so glad I thought of this shit. Cause there's a million <laughs> different ways that this simple little project could get fucked up. Right. Um, yeah, so nice little, nice little. You know, I, don't, I don't get to work with like tools and fucking drills and bolts and shit like that very often, so that was fun to do. And then we drove back. Um, well, she, I drove her vehicle back to the nearest train station, uh, and then in the next morning got on the train to to go back to Chicago. And she drove the car back, which was the first time she'd driven since she had the foot surgery. And thank God it was on her left foot, not her right foot. But um, you know, barely can get in and out of the car. Right. So all, the whole way back, she was pretty much asleep. Right. It's like a three hour, three and a half hour drive. And even though she's asleep, you know, like I, I'm not messing with the radio because I know if I change it to anything I like, it's probably she's going to wake up and be like, what the fuck is this? You know, so we're, we're, we're listening to, you know, 60s and 70s classic hit radio. Right. Serious radio, whatever. And it's all music I've heard a million times before because they don't play like, you know, the <laughs> they don't play they, anything new, <laughs> any new sixties. No, well, well, they don't. They don't play any deep cuts. You know, no, right? Like, it's, it's the same fifty songs for each channel, probably. It, exactly, and and you just hear the songs you've heard a million times, and occasionally they'll throw in like a deep cut uh, right after they play like the top hit song, so you don't get confused about who you're listening to, right? Because right. they know that like that, you know, with the elderly confusion is a problem. Um, and, and I hear this song that I've heard a million fucking times. I've heard it a million times. I you know know every little part of it. I have no idea who sings it though, or what it's called. But I've I've just heard it forever. You know, you hear these songs and you're like, oh yeah, that's that one song you're writing. You know, but some of it, you know, some of this shit from the '60s is like it doesn't. You know, some of it holds up really well, like the Beatles, right? Some of it, like that fucking green tambourine song, you're just like, oh god, like this was, (laughs) like really, (laughs) um, it just it it doesn't. It doesn't have any longevity to it. They made it two sixties, right? But this song comes on, and it's it's a song that like every t- you remember the late nineties when uh, you know Time Life decided they wanted to book out time slots to do infomercials. To oh sell yeah, and you just see commercials, TVs, like yeah, every yeah. Fucking, I yeah. I still remember like the order they would play the uh-huh, little yeah. <laughs> in second snippets of each song. <laughs> And it's like, you know, I could just watch this and not have to buy the fucking thing, you know? I'm going to let you continue, but I, I want you to know that I also remember this, and this is a deeply old guy conversation we're having right now, because anyone under the age of, like, 25 is like, what the fuck are these two talking about? about this? Well, this was the late timeless. 90s right. when they knew that, you know, all the fucking boomers that were, you know, they were Gen Z back in the 60s when shit right. was popping off. Like, they don't want to buy a bunch of fucking, they don't want to buy all their albums on vinyl, on CD, on compact disc. Right. So we'll just sell them the compilation shit, right? And, but it was, you know, it's like, you think about it, like, you know, when you, if you were a teenager in the 90s, the 1960s feels like another fucking century, right? Right. And then you get a little bit older and you realize the 60s was just like, kind of just before you got here on Earth, <laughs> right. right? So it's really, it doesn't feel that long ago now, you know? And so I, I hear this song and I'm like, God, this song was on like every, you know, 60s compilation, everything. And I couldn't tell you who sung it. But fortunately, Sirius or whatever the fucking radio thing you pay thing, whatever. Right. They, they tell they, like the whole fucking screen on your cars, TV dash monitor bullshit is like listing all of the, the whole discography. Like, oh, it's by this band, release this date and this, you know. So it was different drum by the Stone Ponies. 
right? And if mm. you hear the song, it's like it's extremely recognizable. You're like, oh, that song. And it's it's a song that's like if you ever had to like pick one song that per- perfectly encapsulates what you know the zeitgeist of the 60s you know like the version of like the 60s that you see on mad men right it would be this song right and i'm like yeah kind of one hit wonder though i don't really know much about the you know who 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 is in this band called this oh linda ronstadt that's who sings this only fucking linda ronstadt linda ronstadt who sold 100 million albums throughout her right. career <laughs> and it's like i had no fucking idea that's who sung the song um and it's really fucking good. So I fell down this rabbit hole. Like I've, I've always kind of known who she is. And like my mom was a big fan. And like a lot of her songs in the seventies and 80s were huge. You're listening. You have it right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was I was playing in the background as you were talking. I know this song. Yeah, yeah it's a good song. Every, everyone knows this song once you hear it. And you're like, oh god, I didn't realize this. This is this is little twenty one year old Linda Ronstadt. Um, you know, with with her bangs that she kept for her entire life. Look at a picture of her now. She's got the same fucking haircut, the same <laughs> bangs of differing lengths her entire life. Right. Um, yeah. And, and just like, what the fuck? This is, this is insane. I never knew that that's who sung this fucking extremely famous yet under appreciated song. So I found on this rabbit hole of like watching, um, like, like young, uh, vocal instructors react to like her, her technical ability. Cause you know, good singer, but like didn't really write a lot of songs. Right. But then they started break. I started watching videos like breaking down like the, you know, the vocal control at different ranges and like how some singers might have a big range, but they lose control uh, and can't sustain it at at the, at like the, the far ends of the, the range, you know, and basically just like watching clips of people going, like replaying the same part of her part of a song over and over going like no one else can hold that as long as she holds that. Just so you know that, like, the, like technically, she's a better singer than anyone else in U.S. history. <laughs> right. And I'm just like, God damn, what the, what the fuck? So yeah, maybe we'll play that as our outro. But yeah. I, I, I've just been sort of a, like obsessed with this song for the last 48 hours, right? And yeah, I'm sure you've had that before. You just keep listening to it over well, and over you know, and over. Weirdly enough, you when you it, when you said that thing about like you know these these stations they never play anything new, you know, or deep cuts or anything like that, triggered a memory because I remember when um once upon a time in hollywood came out that was something i really appreciated about that is he really tried to oh, sort yeah. of you know a bunch of shit i've never heard that i was like oh wow this is fucking great like uh that 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 neil diamond song brother loves yeah uh, you know uh, the traveling salvation show like how was that not the most well-known neil diamond right. song it's it's so much better than fucking sweet caroline <laughs> i'm like this song is fucking amazing and i've never heard it before because I wasn't listening to fucking yeah. pop radio in the '60s or whatever. I've gotten but... up and left bars before after people put in that song on the fucking jukebox. <laughs> by the way, like, just just oh. offended, offended to my core that somebody yeah. would play that. Most of his songs are better than that song too. Cherry Cherry is a good song. Like he's just got he's got. You're coming to America. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that song. That song's great. It's a fucking banger. Um, yeah, back when uh, back when America used to not actively hate the rest of the world. <laughs> right. That one year. Um, there was one year in the '70s when we didn't. You know. There's even that like that Paul Revere and the Raiders song in that movie, and then and that fucking great cover of um, um, "Keep Me Hanging On" by Vanilla Fudge. Like I'd never heard of that, so yeah, they're, they're you know they they can get more creative for sure with the with the shit they play on those. Oh, absolutely! Those, uh, I remember um, when I was in uh, when I was in high school, I used to make fucking mixtapes because that's what you did because right, you know, it wasn't until a few years later that you could burn yeah, CDs. You give, the, you give them to girls, and the, uh, that's, yeah, that's, no, that of was course. your whole high school existence. You, know? you you would make like the ultimate two hour mixtape, right. and you'd be fucking riding on the school bus and girl you like be like hey listen to this and she'd be like oh i don't like that <laughs> right um i want to listen to spice girls no um and i and i i was playing it for this 
fucking headphones, this girl I liked, I was I was like, hey, listen to this song. And it was something off the um it was one of the like the like the surf saxophone songs from uh the Pulp Fiction soundtrack, ironically. And the girl's like, what is that? What is that from? I'm like, oh, it's from the soundtrack from Pulp Fiction. She's like, what's that? I'm like, oh, it's this big indie movie that just came out that not many people have seen yet. And she was like, yeah, whatever. (laughs) Like, (laughs) Seriously. And I was like, wow, I can't believe I I was surprised she hadn't heard of it yet. But it was like literally like the highest selling soundtrack like a month later. Right. It it was just like I was a little bit ahead of the curve, the the curve as far as, um, you know, what kids were listening to in high school back in 1994. Uh, but yeah, I, I, yeah, was that nice 94? Yeah. So just carry the one. Yeah. Yeah. I would have started high school in the fall of 94. Probably like freshman, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I think that's why high fidelity, uh, resonated so much with, with, with men of a certain age like ourselves is that it just deeply, it, it, it modernized or, or, or you know basically reflected an adult version of our of our high school experience in terms yeah, of- i think that was the last time you know the last part of a decade where you could you know reasonably be someone who obsessively makes you know mixtapes right and and not think that that was psychopathic right <laughs> <laughs> right right because somebody says i do that now you're like jesus christ what a fucking you're like psycho what are you doing just put your spotify like no you know you, you physically will take like you'll you'll play the song off a tape deck and record it onto another tape deck like a fucking serial killer <laughs> right <laughs> right no it totally sounds better at the tapist like i'm telling you the fidelity is way <laughs> higher oh uh, uh, fuck um so you hit pause and record at the same time you hit play pause and record at the same time and right when this when the track starts you hit you unpause it and then it record yeah no it was it was a fucking art form it was it was uh, yeah no i missed that for sure um all right so <laughs> i guess we better talk about the uh horse shit going on in the world right now because there's quite a bit of it um since we last uh spoke to everybody uh you know not enough horses but plenty of horse shit yeah no plenty of it uh so yeah we seemingly narrowly uh averted world war three uh again (laughs) yesterday because um you know the news had broken uh obviously you know russia and ukraine are still uh in conflict uh ukraine is obviously buoyed by the fact that we're uh propping them up militarily and financially um so you know you could argue literally anything that happens going forward is completely our fault uh because this is not a country that would have sustained this war for nearly as long as they have if we weren't sending billions of fucking dollars to their nazi army but yesterday uh two rockets uh or a rocket rather crashed in Poland killing two civilians, presumably. I don't know if they actually released the identity. I, I read somewhere it was farmers. I don't know if that was just speculation or if that whatever, you know. It's a big fucking crater in the middle of a neighborhood. Right. Is, in, is what in, it looks like. In any event, you know, two, pro, two most likely killed two civilians in Poland, which is a NATO uh, state. So, obviously, the immediate first thing that, that uh, Zelensky, the fucking actor president of the Ukraine... Uh, did was was call for uh nato to invoke article five which is basically the mutual um it's basically a declaration uh of of you know basically if any country that's a member of nato is attacked we will all you know join forces to support them to fight whoever right. the attacking well that's i mean i think he's totally right and i you know in, in accordance with that i expect nato will retaliate the, uh, to this unprovoked attack 
uh, by Ukraine by, you know, with a retaliatory missile strike with on Kiev within days, if not hours. Yeah, you would think so. One would think so. But of course, <laughs> yeah, obviously, you know, cooler head. Well, <laughs> I don't even want to say cooler heads prevail, but Bi- even Biden, you know, was when he was asked about it was like, yeah, it seems like it's probably not from Russia, this missile. We, I don't want to say anything to all the you know, investigation is done, but it seems our, our intel suggests that this missile did not come from Russia. And lo and behold, all signs are pointing now to the fact that this missile originated in Ukraine, was launched by the Ukrainian military, you know, in their sort of crossfire with the Russians. Um, and, you know, again, you see every bloodthirsty fucking liberal and fucking Twitter person with a Ukraine flag in their bio, um, bloodthirsty for fucking uh world war three with russia just complete you know wipe us off the face of the earth fucking major world you know powers who all now have nuclear weapons uh going at it over fucking bullshit and i mean you know again i would not at all put it past uh the ukraine to fucking intentionally shoot a missile you know into fucking poland like what is the loss of two people if it'll get them there you know, much desired in uh, final conclusion, which is that, you know, the U.S. joins them militarily and not just financially. It's, it's almost like with them. Yeah, it's almost like Zelensky and Ukraine have kind of realized that, like, the only thing that NATO gives a fuck about here is them remaining the proxy war location. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, right. And now that they're like, hey, we're get, we're we're kind of getting fucked here. Like, shouldn't you guys have to put no, 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 no. See, we don't we don't actually want to have war in NATO countries. That's why we're making this happen on your on your backyard. Right. <laughs> right. He doesn't realize he's the useful idiot for Ukraine to continue their fucking proxy war of aggression against Russia. Um, I think he thinks he's a genius. I think he really really thought like, I'm going to, you know, force these other NATO countries to fight along with Ukraine and not just give us all the fucking money and, and, you know, archaic weapons we want. And he really did think that, you know, we'll we'll have a little oopsie and then I'll immediately blame Russia and they'll believe me and won't, you know, check independently. Right. Because why would you why would you immediately falsely claim Russia did this if that wasn't your goal? No, and and right, and the, and the two options here, neither of them are good, because one of them is that he's a fucking incompetent, that he just assumed it was Russia, you know, didn't wait for any investigation to come back in, and or got in it actually, and this is the case scenario one where it actually was an accident. He either got the intel that it was uh, a Ukrainian launch missile, lied about it, uh. Or he's such a fucking idiot and didn't wait for any intel to come back and just, you know, immediately blame Russia, which is almost just as bad. And then option B, obviously, is that they did this on purpose because they figured this would be the inciting incident that would allow them to finally turn the tide in this fucking conflict of which they're a proxy, you know, anyway for. Well, it's it's hilarious, though, how, you know, the U.S., Poland and the 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 UN are all saying, well, we know Ukraine did this, but like, wouldn't you also have to go like admit that like the the guy that you're backing in Ukraine is a total fucking liar, right? And, and it just like, but they're not. They're still trying to like carry water for this little fucking piece of shit. So this is this um, NATO Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg said there was no indication the incident was the result of a deliberate attack by either side, and that Ukrainian forces were not to blame for defending their country from Russia's assault. Quote, our primary analysis suggests that the incident was likely caused by the Ukrainian air defense missile fired 
to defend Ukrainian territory against Russian cruise missile attacks. But let me be clear, this is not Ukraine's fault. Russia bears ultimate responsibility as it continues its illegal war against Ukraine. Like, really? That's kind of like, well, um, yeah, bin Laden crashed those planes of the Twin Towers, but it's totally Iraq's fault. Uh, And, and, you know, America can't be blamed for just attacking uh, random countries that are nowhere near Pakistan. Yeah. So and and again, you know, despite that, even though Biden, I'm sure, knows at this point that this guy's a fucking clown and that he is is doing everything he can to trick us into, you know, starting a fucking hot war with Russia. Um, he's still asking for more fucking money for the Ukraine. Like he, he's asking for 37 billion from Congress, 37 billion with a B. Um, we fucking sent them like 40 billion in in like early, like late spring. And we sent them in like 13 billion, like at, in February, March. I mean, how much fucking more money are we going to send them? That would be like a hundred billion dollars. He, he could have bought Twitter several times over by now. <laughs> right. He could have bought two fucking Twitters with the money we're sending him. Um, and that's just the money that's on the books. I mean, that's rule number one with the Pentagon and with any kind of quote unquote defense spending. You can always take that number and multiply it by a factor of at least three, like that, uh, how much money is actually being sunk into these fucking things and lost and you know unaccounted for so who knows how much fucking money we've actually sent them but that on on paper we've sent them fucking tens of billions of dollars already to fight this fucking proxy war and nothing has been gained whatsoever uh except for the fact that this it's we're prolonging the inevitable which is the second we pull our funding which you know could happen if there's a change in in the white house it could happen you know, if another one of these <laughs> inciting incidents, you know, occur, like it's just a lot of situations where where that can occur. And it's like, how much fucking money are we going to dump and light on fire, you know, into this fucking boondoggle of, of a proxy war? That's that's really, I guess, the question at this point. But I think the answer is infinite, an infinite amount <laughs> as much as we can squeeze in and time that's left, basically. Yeah, I, when I was hanging out with mom for two weeks, she gets a phone call from uh, Oxfam and, you know, the, the fundraiser who's calling her, you know, she already does like a monthly donation to them. And of course, they're using this to, you know, dig her for more, even more money. Sure. So they call her like, oh, we, you know, this, the, the situation right now is just really dire, you know, with the children in Ukraine and like and just like keeps going. And like, but didn't didn't elaborate on this phone call asking my mother for more money. Like what situation in Ukraine? Just, just the assumption was just anyone who's donating to Oxfam just automatically is on the side of America and Russia is evil and the poor little children. It's like, well, what what you know, like I haven't heard about any mass starvation happening in Ukraine, uh, thanks uh, in part to things like uh, Russia sending in food to help people <laughs> right. while they're bombing this country. Um, you know, it's it's just the. The fundraising potential for just any kind of strife, if it's affecting, you know, little white children is, you know, tenfold what it would be for, you know, America bombing, say, Yemen or or Syria or Libya. Like, I I, I don't think any any could you imagine any American based uh, charity calling up people to ask for money while America was bombing countries in the Middle East? No, of course not. I no, they never do why, that. Why would we do that? Right, of course This is not. a godsend for these organizations. No, no. It, it, it's just unbelievable. But, you know, it's just going to keep happening. Um, you know, and, and we, we should get into uh, uh, what's happening, uh, you know, just electorally in this country. Because yesterday was a 
fairly significant day because uh, the it, it was made official that Donald Trump is going to run again in 2024 oh, for president. It's going to be so fun. It's going to be more fun this time, I think, than last time. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, everyone's acting like because, you know, the red wave didn't happen last week that this means that like Trump's brand has been diminished. Well, well, the, the, the funniest thing to me, and again, you know, <laughs> we're here for the lulls at this point, you know, I, I, we're once again, going to be facing the fucking election of like the two least fucking qualified people to be fucking president in the world, Donald Trump and Joe Biden. We're going to be heading for another fucking four years of that. But you know, who um, was qualified though? Hillary. <laughs> that was the that, remember how many no, times know, know, they know, fucking said that. God, She's the so most qualified know, woman in history. To you know that being qualified for something doesn't mean you're good at it. No, no. To be fair, that's true. But no, I God, I blocked so much of that out. Um, no. So you know, he ran again. It, 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 I don't. It, it doesn't seem like it has the 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 piss and vinegar of the first go around for him, or even the second go around. Like he did seem know, a little low energy. His heart his doesn't seem quite quite is in it. But I mean, we'll see. What we'll see what happens once he gets on that fucking. Once he gets on that Ritalin and he gets out on the campaign trail, we'll <laughs> see how how much how much he gets going and what kind of insane stupidity uh, comes out of his mouth. But yeah, I I don't think he likes running against another guy. I, I really no, think no, that no, like, he... the thrill he got was against running against uh, Hillary Clinton because he got to, you know, like here, here's what he really thinks about all women, but her especially. Well, but um, she was also a really easy target. Biden's a little bit tougher of a target for him. Like, I, I think, you know, we would have good things to to be pissed about Biden at Biden for. But it's tough. I think he has a <laughs> tougher haul with his voters to find things, you know. Because Biden has been such a friend to the right wing for so so many years. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I, I I had to see a little glimpse of uh, you know what they were saying about the the election on MSNBC. And the first day, you could tell they were like, they were all shocked. They were like, you know, couldn't believe that the Dems had uh, not lost sixty seats. And but by day two, the the smugness and the gloating was there, and and. You know, all the, the whole narrative about how, you know, young people turned out for the midterms because they really believe in the, you know, Joe Biden administration. <laughs> right. They, they, they were already like shoveling that fucking horse shit out. You know, the Joe you Biden knew that, like them believed it. Yeah. The Joe Biden administration who like days after the midterm election got their fucking federal student loan ruling, you know, wiped out in court and just were like threw their hands up. And we're like, well, guess we're not doing any student loan relief. And also we're like, hey, we're not going to do anything about uh, about abortion federally. No, they literally it was four days after they, you know, only lost the midterms by a little bit. Did he say, well, we don't have the votes to codify Roe. So enough of that. Right. Even though they literally gained a vote in the Senate. You know, I mean, it's just it's just fucking preposterous to act like they can't do shit about this. But you know, you're telling me you can't find five fucking like pro pro choice uh, house members. Fucking bullshit. But, you know, it, it's just this is this was their plan from day one. I It's crazy that people still fall for it because it's so transparent. They don't even fucking wait anymore. They don't even they don't even go through the charade of like having a vote and pretending that like Joe Manchin is the lone holdout and then, you know, get whatever. Like they don't even go through that charade anymore. They're just like, yeah, can't do it for you, Jack. You know, sorry. Like, literally they they were running headlines or you know the the crawler at the bottom of the fucking tv screen saying that you know democrats have just taken control of the senate 
Like uh, you mean like they had for the last two years? Right. They've had what, fucking what did you, control what did of the you house and the game Senate. control. Right. You didn't gain anything. You're just admitting that you could have done something all this time. You didn't do fucking shit. Right. Right. And so, but, you know, the Trump thing is interesting, too, because I think a lot of people are assuming that he's he's the fucking cockroach of, of American politics. This idea that he's somehow like you know, lost his luster with his base, I, I think is fucking nuts. I, I work with plenty of people who still fucking talk. Like I, you, you talk to the people who actually voted for him the first couple of times there, they'll vote for him again. Like he, there's nothing, you know, this idea that Ron DeSantis is somehow this fucking powerhouse. Ron DeSantis is the Jeb Bush of 2024. Like he is going to flame out spectacularly. The first debate that he has on stage with Trump, Trump will demolish him because he's, a fucking weird nerd who has modeled his whole political career and persona after Trump. And the second he's there with the real uh, thing on stage, it's going to become very obvious that that's what he's doing. And Trump, because he is a bully at heart and is relentless, will fucking mock him relentlessly for that. Like he'll just start, he'll just start making fun of the fact that he's trying to mimic his hand motions and this speech patterns. And like, I, I just can't imagine Ron DeSantis not plummeting in the polls after the first debate that they have with each other. I, I, I think he's got no fucking shot. He's and got he's, no charisma. And he's got no, right. And he's, he's a fucking weird loser. Like he's got no charisma. He wears fucking riding boots, you know, to, to, to campaign event. Like he's just a fucking weirdo dweeb uh, masquerading as a man of the people, um, which is not to say that Donald Trump is a man of the people. Cause he is also a fucking, you know, peevish rich weirdo, but he knows how to fucking sell himself to the people. And I don't think Ron DeSantis well, has any clue how to do that. He knows how to unnerve other fucking white dudes, right? <laughs> right. In, in a way that they're not comfortable with. And you you saw that with the Republican debates where people would try to get a, a zinger in on Trump and he would just fucking turn around and hit them 10 times harder in the face. And then they would just like look down at their feet like, oh, God, like what what, right. what did I think I was trying to do? <laughs> you know, I mean, watch watch Ted Cruz. Watch what Trump did to Ted oh, Cruz just, during those debates. He literally turned him into, into a fucking cuck and right nobody even had to take their clothes off. Yeah, <laughs> it was it was just it was like these people are so they so much want to be who Trump really is. You know, they want to be that guy and they just fucking suck at pretending to, to be. And, that and I don't think they want to be him necessarily. They just love the, the the idolatry of him that he they they seek. They crave that idolatry because they're just fucking losers and weirdos who've never been popular with anybody because they're a they're politicians and politicians are inherently uncool. Uh, but they're also right wing politicians, which is like a, a quadruple extra layer of uncool on top of that. So they see somebody who's like genuinely adored by very misguided, you know, dumb people and they want that. So they try to mimic that, but they have no real feel for it, I think. So it's a very it's just very artificial. And and DeSantis, I think, is like the chief purveyor of that. The same he's he's the he's the Pete Buttigieg of the Republican Party, the same way like Buttigieg uh, or John Ossoff. They all tried to like mimic Obama's like speech patterns and like the sort of hand. It's the same exact fucking thing, you know. But it's just you, you can't you can't duplicate the original fucking stupidity. No, <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't no, you really can't you really can't. I mean, I think the weird thing is like Buttigieg knows how to just kind of be himself. But somebody has trained him to 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 not trust his inner voice and to try to just, you know, be the as, as close of a mimic of somebody who's actually good at public speaking as possible. And 
you know, you just you can't do that. You you can't you can't run on someone else's vocal stylings. You know, no, you just no. does it doesn't come off right. No, Beto. I mean, Beto is a great, also a great example of that he tried the Obama, the Obama fucking method for a long time, and it just, you know, and that, then he then that didn't work, so he just started saying fucking shit on the campaign trail, like thinking that that would be his, <laughs> that would be his in. And it turns out, uh, people in Texas really love their fucking guns, and you know, probably not the best uh, major point to focus on when you're trying to run for governor of the entire state. Like I, you know, I'm not saying I even disagree with him, but. You know, it, it, you're just burning money at that point when you're trying to win in a state that's so fucking in love with guns that your main campaign thing is like, we're going to fucking take your guns away. You know? Like, yeah, he, he stuck to his guns and look what good it did. Him. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. You remember he, he said that they were going to take your guns away and people were like, you didn't really mean to say that, dude. And he's like, yeah, no, I really I really mean it. I was like, you know, finally a Democrat stands up for something in the one place that they never should have. <laughs> right. I was like, you know, I appreciate it, but uh, yeah, not the best idea, dude. Oh, God. Um, all right. Well, you uh, b- before we got into some of the, the latest uh, Elon uh, Twitter <laughs> fiasco, what you wanted to talk a little bit about Biden and Title 42. So we should we should get that out of the way while we're talking about the. Uh, yeah, so we had a big court case ruling today. Um, the Biden administration has been going to court nonstop for the last two years to argue why it should be able to continue uh, unconstitutional Trump era policies. And I say Trump era as though, you know, it's not just like within the last several months. Right. right. Um, but this was this is one. I mean, there was there was one. He the they lost their case recently and they appealed it. They appealed it. That's how strongly they believe in the Trump administration, Joe Biden. Um, but this one, the the initial ruling just came down today uh, against something called Title 42. Uh, judge orders Biden to lift Trump era immigration rule. Title 42 basically was something that came out during the Trump administration because of COVID, because, you know, the risk of people transferring this, um, you know, lethal path- pathogen uh, across borders that we we you know, normally if refugees or asylum seekers, whoever come to our border, um, they're allowed to stay here until their request is adjudicated by a judge right. in a trial, a hearing. Title 42 says, we don't have to do that. We can just kick you out and put you on a bus, send you back to Guatemala uh, with no, you know, no due process whatsoever. And the Biden administration said, yeah, we like that. We want to keep doing yeah. that. <laughs> we Kids in cages? Hell yeah. Sign us up for that shit. Oh, but we're going to send other people back on a bus with, you know, they don't even get to have a day in court. Great. Let's do that, too. Let's keep doing that. Joe Biden. We did it, Joe. Uh, so, <laughs> I love, love that. Um, so just read a little bit from a couple uh, paragraphs from article here I have. I don't even know what it's from. doesn't matter. Uh, a federal judge on Tuesday ordered the Biden administration to lift Trump-era asylum restrictions that have been a cornerstone of border enforcement since the beginning of COVID. Uh, the U.S. District Judge Emmett Sullivan ruled in Washington that enforcement must end immediately for families and single adults calling the ban arbitrary and capricious. The administration has not applied uh, it to children traveling alone. Oh, how nice of them. <laughs> uh, within hours, <clears throat> within hours, the Justice Department asked the judge to let the order take effect on uh, on December 21st, giving it five weeks to prepare. Yeah, we got to figure out how to like, you know, a loophole. We can keep doing this somehow. Plaintiffs, including the American Civil Liberties Union, did not oppose the delay. So they're 
Okay, whatever. Uh, immigration advocacy groups have pressed hard to end Title 42, but more moderate de- Democrats, including Senators Mark Kelly, Kelly of Arizona and Raphael Warnock of Georgia, wanted it to stay when the administration tried to lift it in May. Yeah, so, so who, who, are the, who are the big uh, new heroes, the Democrat Party in the Senate? Mark Kelly and Raphael Warnock. Yeah. No, yeah. of course. Great, great people. Let's immediately sour them to anyone who fucking gives a shit about immigration in this country, in the Democratic Party. But and and by the way, Ralph Warnock still hasn't fucking won. Uh, he's got a because this stupid fucking Georgia law. Um, he's got to now go to a runoff with Herschel Walker, maybe the dumbest man to ever run for office in the history of the United States of America, which is you know a real accomplishment. Um, yeah, no, there's a chance he could be a senator. Fucking Herschel Walker, like pulling out a fake fucking you know woody from toy story sheriff badge like that fucking guy might be might be one of the hundred most powerful people in this country so you know mm. great system we have in this country yeah well, well fucking... you know it's 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 the only thing they love more than jesus down there in georgia is football so i might have said that last week i don't remember it's been a long week <laughs> well no it's but you know even if you did it's true regardless um yeah, so I just want to get in a, before we get out of here a couple more uh, or well another Elon uh, story um, and actually there was a breaking thing as we were we were talking uh, apparently he's now looking for a CEO to run the company he, he wants to step away which oh. which is hilarious I mean, fucking three weeks it took us to bully him off of the off of this forty four billion dollar the fucking head of lettuce bought. the head of lettuce lasted longer than the fucking <laughs> prime minister of England and Elon Musk is CEO of Twitter. <laughs> he'll still he'll still fucking be a complete fucking psychopath and run the company in, in every atrocious way he sees fit. I think somebody's just convinced him like, hey, you're really starting to fuck with like FTC regulations now and you're potentially facing major fines and potentially he's, he's jail losing time. other corporate. I mean, his his non-verified blue check verification system caused major corporations to lose billions of dollars in stock. Lockheed Martin and and uh, a couple other companies that that happened with yeah. uh, still have not recovered their stock value whatsoever. It's fucking hilarious. Like he literally just tanked a bunch of companies, billions of dollars of their valuation. A handful so of troll funny. accounts saying that they're no longer going to sell, you know, insulin for any money at all. They're not going to sell uh, weapons to, you know, the U.S. and Saudi Arabia over human rights abuses. J- just those little fucking tweets, hundred, you know, 240 characters, all it took to make billions of dollars of fictional money evaporate. <laughs> right, right, which is shows, tells you everything you need to know about our system of economics in this country, but also, like, it, it's so fucking hilarious because you know that his lawyers are fucking pulling their hair out because he's opening himself up to insane amounts of litigation from the most powerful companies in the world. Like it's just the, the, the shit that he's doing to disrupt global markets, not even on purpose because he's such a fucking putz and moron and has no idea what he's doing in, in business is fucking hilarious. So that's probably why his, his lawyers probably have him at gunpoint and like, you need to step down as CEO or we will fucking kill you and kill ourselves. Like this is not a sustainable situation but um so this is actually um another uh from uh george oros i guess i guess is his name uh reporter for um 
People, people need to clean up their fucking bylines on Twitter. He's a reporter <laughs> for a lot of places. Um, he uh, tweeted this out. Uh, Scoop, Elon Musk just sent an email to all staff outlining, quote unquote, Twitter 2.0, writing it will, quote, need to be extremely hardcore. <laughs> Long hours. Long hours. High intensity. People need to click yes to confirm being part of this by 5 p.m. Eastern time tomorrow. Uh, meaning today, I believe, because this is from the night before. Um, else they get three months of severance. The email came at midnight Pacific Standard Time, similar to previous major changes announced at Twitter. It writes how, quote, only exceptional performance will constitute a passive grade and how Twitter will be engineering driven with coders playing an important part in it. Can you fucking imagine being given a get out of jail free card like that? Like, hey, do you want to ru- do you want to stay here and, and fucking go down in bursting in flames with this fucking you know, insane megalomaniac running this company into the ground, or do you want three months worth of pay to get the fuck out of here? No questions asked. Like, you know, wow. It, yeah. I mean, it, it, well, it's, it's the thing that blows my mind is, is like, this is not, you know, I mean, you've seen David Fincher's the social network, right? So you know how fucking, you know, just how awful these people can be, you know, but at least, at least that movie is taking a look at Mark Zuckerberg when he was like a 20 year old little fucking asshole. Right. But with Elon Musk, he's doing mostly the same fucking shit at the age of 51. Right. Mind boggling. Zuckerberg learned to like keep himself out of the public spotlight and not do these fucking insane, stupid, you know, showy things after a while. Like he learned to just, you know, waste all his fucking money on some goofy fucking you know, 2003 era graphics metaverse that nobody will ever fucking use. <laughs> like that's what, that oh he learned God. to kind of stay in the background. Like he, you know, very much toned down the super villain, uh, you know, stuff that he was trying to do early on, but Elon Musk fucking complete moron completely, you know, with his entire fortune is completely without merit. Like, you know, it, I, I obviously you could argue nobody who has a billion dollars fucking earned it. And I would argue that, but I mean, he really didn't fucking earn it. Like the, he's just been able to grift his way to the largest fortune in 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 you know uh, the history of modern civilization by uh, you know just tricking a bunch of fucking dweebs into thinking that he's the next coming of of Nikola Tesla or fucking Tony Stark or whatever. And it's just <laughs> he's a fucking moron. He's a putz. Yeah, Tes- Tesla who died penniless because he didn't believe in trying to make money. <laughs> right, right. He, yeah. He was trying to create well, he did create uh basically, you know, wireless electricity. Uh, you know, the fucking you just hold the light bulb and it lights up because fucking whatever the fuck. Uh however magic science works. Um he wanted to have the whole world you wanted to have the whole world have free electricity that had no wires attached to it. And we could have had that, but people who wanted money were like, nope, we can't let that, that can't be allowed to happen. So we need to burn down your factory two different times. Uh, oh, and that big radio thing. We don't know what that is, but we're going to blow it up. We're the FBI. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and you know, but, it, and it's crazy because it, Musk, I almost wonder if he took that name ironically, the, the you know, use Tesla ironically because he's way more, akin to a fucking uh edison than a tesla where he just claims credit for everyone else's ideas because he oh, even yeah. fucking found yeah. tesla he just fucking you know b- you know b- bullied his way in and acts as if he's the founder of tesla he's never invented anything other than stupid shit like a fucking 
you know, tunnel that you can't escape from that transports one car from one end of LA to another end, you know, it, it just like the stupidest shit imaginable, you know, it, it, he just in, invents less fucking efficient versions of things that already exist. Like it's just, yeah, he's, he's a fucking putz, but it, it, it's, it, I'm really glad because I feel like people are going to start to realize that. And, you know, we've, we've talked about that on the show past couple of weeks, how eye opening I think this is for the, sort of casual news consumers who just, you know, oh, well, of course, Elon Musk must be smart. He has all that money. Like what, <laughs> you know, you know, the, the people who just assume that because you have money that you've done something to earn it, which is, as we know, in this country, a fucking farce of an idea. It's just laughable to think that that's I will, I will, uh, I will celebrate when his brand is so toxic that I never have to see some crypto bro defending him. Uh, and the final nail in the coffin is going to be when, you know, Disney goes in and digitally like removes Elon Musk from Iron Man Two. That'll <laughs> oh, be the God, final. I forgot he was in that. Jesus Christ! Yep. You, th- th- that that I, I never actually watched the show because it looked like shit. But that new Star Wars show that's on CBS that had that that clip where it was like, oh, well, you know, the great the great inventor of our time, Elon Musk. That clip that was, that was Star Trek. Yeah, yeah. That, that was the new the new whatever that the, the show with the fucking. Everybody who likes Star Trek is still like up in arms about that. Yeah, everyone said that, that, that got in there somewhere. That you know, because like, okay, uh, a uh, he didn't invent anything, and b nobody who lives in this you know enlightened socialist utopia uh, space world would ever respect a guy like that. No, it, it's just a fundamental misunderstanding about anything that Star Trek is supposed to be about. That was also the show that had Stacey Abrams on as like an actress, like she, like they had her. Oh God. They had her as guests appearing in an episode. Like it's just, just high fucking level cringe, just the highest level of cringe. And they've the always had guest stars. That's the thing is they've always had guest stars. But like when I grew up watching Star Trek next generation, the guest stars they would have would be like uh, actual women who were actual astronauts who actually right. went to space and they got a cameo on, on Star Trek. And now it's just like, hey, who was the worst shitty neo-lib who doesn't believe in any of the things that Gene Roddenberry believed in, like uh, free universal health care? It's just, you know, I'd say it's the inevitable conclusion, but apparently, and I still haven't had time to watch it, but apparently Andor proves that you can still fucking, you know, return to the to the actual intended roots of a of a property like that so yeah know. i caught up on that last night um i watched uh I, I mean i could watch it on headphones but i didn't want to so i got mm-hmm. home last night and put on episodes 9 10 11 and it's i mean it's kind of a show where nothing happens it's like there's not a bunch of big laser battles and shit it's just this very long slow uh very geared for thinking people building of tension right and even when something tiny happens you're on the edge of your seat because they they put in the work to build the tension so that it feels like there's stakes involved right which is not something you you usually associate with star wars you're just like no. oh lasers pew, 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 blows you know shit blows up you don't feel like there's anything invested emotionally in any of the characters and now in this show it's like okay what happens in this uh, this episode oh these guys might attempt a prison break uh, okay what's what's great about that but then you watch it and you're like oh my god <laughs> this is yeah. like the most prolonged tense scene i've ever seen in star wars period yeah, yeah. I, I really got i really gotta watch that show you do but, you do um yeah and and, and just you know a lot, i was a lot of like things i was reading about how it's just basically a show about the casual monotony and administrative aspects of fascism and like how it just the sort of normalization of that you know and how that 
it helps it fly under the radar. So there's a lot of interesting things I think that that show plays with that I, I'm definitely going to want to uh, talk about once I do watch that. But Starsguard, that fucking the which one? Which one? Which one's the guy who's Stellan. in all the things? Stel- <laughs> Stellan Scars, uh, f- fucking yeah, Stellan Skarsgård. Yeah, Marvel totally did not uh, use him in ways that were, you know, up to his talents, right? And this show lets him go fucking buck wild as an actor, and I don't mean just like over the top performance, but like how much of a nuanced, uh, gritty, you know, is this guy good or bad performance you can pull out of somebody? Um, yeah, amazing. If you, if you like, you're watching him from another David Fincher movie, the um. Uh, girl with the dragon tattoo mm-hmm. he's he's the villain in that and you don't really know it till the very end that then you're like oh my god he's this, this is he's, no, he's I'm a, okay. yeah, yeah. He's, he's a great actor he's um you know very criminally underutilized in those marvel I, which i could probably say about 80 percent of the people in those movies unfortunately uh, outside <laughs> of like the main leads it's like just the, the talent because it's just such a big paycheck like incredibly talented actors will take the money to kind of just you know Phone it in. Breeze. Yeah, phone it in. They phone know. it in. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's you know, it's like fucking Robert Downey Jr., as great as he is, you know, he was like, you know what the hardest part of that job was? Was doing the the acting stuff where it's like just my face inside the helmet. Right. And I was like, <laughs> right. That, that was the hardest part? He's like, yeah, because like you have nothing to look at or interact with. You just have to like imagine all the shit that's fucking happening that's CGI that you see outside of it. And I have to pretend as though I'm seeing all of it in any given moment and it's you know he was just like yeah it was really fucking dull and boring <laughs> i was like right. yeah i bet it would be actually <laughs> yeah he's another one you know he's such a great actor that it, it bums me out that like his I'm, I'm super glad he got clean and like had this career resurgence you know and everything like that but it, it bums me out because i feel like he's capable of a lot more you know in terms of like dramatic roles so i i'm hoping now that he's sort of put that aside that he's not going to do like do little three or whatever or fucking oh, you know a fifth sherlock holmes movie like you know and they actually does some interesting well, he, like some a24 drama those right he just did the, the two sherlock movies yeah yeah i was being i was exaggerating but yeah he, he yeah. did the two i think two maybe three uh you know let me ch- i'll check real quick but yeah he just did the two and they were okay but again it's not not exactly my uh my genre no i mean it was the first one was fine i just you know oh, oh he is actually shooting three right now so he, oh god he is um he heard you he heard you yeah yeah, yeah. well if know. you want to see him oh he's uh, in oppenheimer uh, fuck oh, oh yeah all right so maybe that that'll be a good yeah everyone's in that fucking movie Every every white guy is in that movie. That's for sure. <laughs> that yeah. this this cast is fucking nuts for this movie. I can, and it's you know it's Nolan, so it's going to be amazing. But fucking Cillian Murphy, who he always works with, Downey Jr. Yeah, yeah, Florence Pugh, Jack Quaid, great, love that guy from the Boys, and he was great yeah. in Scream. Emily Blunt, always Matt good. Damon. Although she's a fucking neoliberal. Well, no, right. But, uh... I mean, but who isn't? Oh, wow. I, I know. I just I saw something she said recently about something. And I was like, "Oh, that's right. You're married to that fucking guy who wishes he was in the CIA, who plays every CIA." Anyway, Jesus what? Christ, Rami Malek, Josh Hartnett, Gary Oldman, Kenneth Branagh, Josh Hartnett. Where did he go? Last I know. I remember him from was like the remember the, remember the movie Harvard? he did in uh, no 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 um, late '90s uh, like uh, high school horror movie. Um, oh, uh, the faculty. I love that. Yeah, movie. So bad. Yeah. I love that movie. John John Stewart with a goatee gets a fucking pencil uh-huh. through the eyeball. <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah, no, I, that, yeah. I'll Great never forget movie. that. 
Um, it was, it was one of those like one of the last movies where you could have a bunch of fucking kids that would never hang out together in real life all like band together for right. some movie. I was like, it's like um, the Breakfast Club at Aliens. Like, no, no I, way I, that, that was one of my favorite times in in movies because it just the horror the heart like horror movies especially because it was sort of like they all sort of piggybacked off of the sort of self retro self referential tongue in cheek stuff that Scream did, um, and none of them did it as well. But it, it was just a fun interesting different time for horror movies it wasn't just let's make the 15th fucking movie where we send jason to fucking you know idaho or whatever like it it just it was it was interesting at least um wow casey affleck's in this movie aiden ehrenreich fucking so the guy who played solo the the budget to this movie just for the actors matthew modine fucking insane how can this many people be involved with the making of the fucking atomic bomb? Like one of the most secretive projects in U.S. history. <laughs> I can't imagine how many, this many name actors would be in, attached. But well, it's it's you know it's like a thin red line. Terrence Malick's thin red line, where you had you know fifty of the most famous actors in Hollywood, and most of them had like one line of dialogue. <laughs> right. You know, uh, Adrian Brody was completely edited out of the movie. Wow. He was like, I thought I was in this movie, and they're like, Nope, we had to make room for more Nick Nolte. <laughs> <laughs> who, who is amazing in the thin red line nick oh, right. probably his, his best performance of his career in the thin red line crazy um, um yeah george clooney has like one little monologue of dialogue and he's like a he's like a colonel or something like that and shows up and like tells everyone how they're not doing a good enough job like right after you watch them uh all get like blown apart for two hours <laughs> it's just like what the <laughs> fuck um john Travolta's in it also for like maybe 30 seconds i think uh yeah man i'm nice. really going down memory lane with the 90s movies <laughs> i know i know <laughs> oh god it's way more interesting than anything going on in politics all right well um i think that pretty much does it for us oh we mentioned next week uh we'll we'll be reviewing uh right is that next week yes it's the 16th i believe tomorrow uh nope comes out on uh peacock like on str- like for streaming for free if you have peacock or whatever so you know, any, anyone that wants to hear our, us review that, we're probably going to be reviewing that next week. So definitely go check that out. Um, even if you just sign up for a fucking free trial and cancel it afterwards, just watch that shit for free. Uh, it's incredible you know, movie. It, it's by far his best film. And I want to say it's doubly as good as his last two films. Like it's, uh, I feel that strong about it. So it'd be fun to talk right, about. And you that. weren't somebody who like greatly disliked his last two movies either. So that's, no, no, no. yeah, I, I think they're good. It's just, they're not scary to me, you know, in, in the way that this movie is scary to me. Um, it's, it's so hard this to have. Movie, a, yeah. It, this movie does things with, you know, sort of the, the, the tropes of horror. Uh, and then does things that I've never seen any horror film do. Um, yeah, it's it's an amazing blend of different techniques and different themes, and you know, and that, that's the most important thing about this film is it has a theme. It has a very simple, simple theme that the other films, the themes were much more. I think, you know, like obviously Wrong. racism, racism in itself isn't just a theme. It, it, there's obviously got, I have to be way more than that going on there. Well, I mean, Get Out was about white liberals, basically <laughs> the the casual racism hidden racism of white liberals in my opinion is what that movie is about but this is a this is something in this film that is um way harder to pin down until you do and then you realize how basic 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 the theme of this film is um and how it gets explored in like a, a you know thousand different ways that you think are you know they seem obvious when presented in front of you but if you had to come up with it on your own and pitch this i don't know anyone that would like look at this and go oh yeah that's that sounds like a great movie we should make yeah. Like th- this feels like a movie that would have gotten rejected by anybody 
if it wasn't made by Jordan Peele. No, a hundred percent. And, and it's just, and it's also, you know, in some ways his love letters, Steven Spielberg, maybe not even in the way that you're thinking, um, you know, if you haven't seen the movie yet, um, and I'll, I won't spoil it, but it'll, that, that comment will make sense to you after you watch the movie. I'll put it that way. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's much like one of, one of his most famous films of the seventies. Uh, you, you don't just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're edging closer and closer to saying it. <laughs> I won't. No, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, um schindler's list obviously is the no yeah, uh, yeah no it's, it's um they no. were on the roof it was his best movie of all time yeah uh, so yeah. no it, it incredible uh incredible stuff and and yeah we'll, we'll talk about that next week at length um yeah so uh in any event check us out uh rate review subscribe wherever you get your podcasts follow us on soundcloud soundcloud.com slash move left uh facebook.com slash move left idiots patreon.com slash move left i am on twitter at move underscore left uh, and i'm also on twitter at what will soon become a all linda ronstadt bangs appreciation account uh at bike slutty <laughs> yeah we'll see you next week you and i come to the beat of a different drum how can you tell by the way i run Live a lot longer.